Welcome to another episode of the BU Podcast, where light banter meets deep topics of the heart and soul. I'm your host, Chris Sirock. Hello, my friends. Hope you're having a beautiful day wherever you are. We've got another great episode today with my special guest, Valeria Koopman. Valeria is an author, podcaster, healing coach, and speaker, and former first prize fitness competitor. Her focus is on emotional healing, spiritual awareness, and deepening the understanding of our inherent wholeness through the lens of science and spirituality. She is the founder of Fit for Joy, a community of heart-centered human beings contributing to the embodiment of our interconnectedness and healing wisdom. Her most recent book, The Freedom to Feel, is due out in 2024. Welcome, Valeria. Thank you so much, Chris. Yeah, I'm very interested in science and spirituality. We have scientists understand spirituality from the science point of view, which is basically studying the objects in matter. Mm -hmm. To find out uh, what consciousness is, which none of them can get to it, but some of them, they're getting into going the other way around. Okay, if we cannot get from matter to consciousness, let's just try consciousness going back to matter. And that's when they become almost like spiritual scientists to me. But in the end, it's all about our own experiences, isn't it, Chris? Yes, it's all what we experience. I keep saying everything we've been taught, most of it, in school or from media, it's somebody else's experience. And so our only real truth is what we have experienced within the framework of our own body. Rationally knowing things, that's fine, but it has to resonate. Not until it does resonate in our body that it really becomes our own truth. And so that's our personal experience. That's the deepest truth of all. Yeah, that's your realm. <laughs> What's not to love about your idea, the concept of being ourselves, just to be who I am right now, exactly in this spaceless, timeless, the way I perceive it, whatever this is now, this is it. So I love your look into reality, the nature of reality. Okay, just be you and everything else will be revealed. Whatever you're looking for will be revealed to you. Then the only challenge with that is trying to make peace with the parts, with whatever is being expressed here that we are not comfortable with that we are not in acceptance, in alignment somehow, poor parts of our minds not really accepting the reality for what is. And most of us don't. So I'm always wondering how we get to that place of peace. How can we just sit here now and just let everything be exactly as it is, not trying to rush into the future, which a lot of times we can't help it, but just plan because that's also part of relative reality. What we're going to eat tomorrow, we have to go shopping today, all that stuff, the planning thing. So I'm wondering if that can become a reality for some of us, Chris, to just stay still. <laughs> How can we be still enough to just let go of the past and the future all together? Yeah, I think it just takes a little practice and because those are thoughts that come along about the past and the future. And then what do we do with those thoughts? Do we cling to a good feeling thought or resist an unpleasant thought? And that's our reaction state. But if we're able to observe thoughts, then that means we're not our thoughts. Some thoughts are easy to observe. Others are more triggering. But ultimately, we are not our thoughts. So then it's just practicing, like going to the gym. And you have a background in that. Uh, it's building that awareness muscle towards thoughts we just have to look at it more as a buffet of thoughts 
Yeah. Um, it's accepting them all, but which ones do we incorporate and move forward with? But it's not about pushing away anything that's uncomfortable. Like you said, that is the tricky part, but it's being okay with the discomfort. Of, oh, this, this thought is uncomfortable. But that acceptance of it being uncomfortable also is the release of it. Oh, yeah. Right. Even that movement, when you speak of observing the thoughts, or even choose the ones to give attention to, even that sounds like a movement from awareness to analysis to practice, which takes us from this moment. I have a hard time kind of thinking in terms of time and space. I always think about, oh, this is just happening. And to me, the easiest way to navigate this reality from the spiritual is think of it as a dream. Okay, this is a dream, very interesting dream. It's just experiences and I know I'm not experiences. So it's like dreaming at night, I have all these experiences and I can call them experiences because they felt like that. And if I was left in the dream for a lifetime, that would be my reality. That would be the only thing I would know of. So I really think about this as a dream. That helps me a lot, Chris, for some reason. I know for some people, it's really scary thought and they don't really subscribe to the idea of a dream, <laughs> but it really resonates true to me. Just an experience and it keeps changing. It's yeah. Well, so when we're aware that we're experiencing things, that is kind of a dreamlike state. We know we're not the dream. So we're able to observe the dream and the experiences within the dream. And in terms of how close can we get to pure presence, the awareness of the dream, the awareness of our experiences that seems that's as close as we'll get to pure presence ah yes some people talk about samadhi you probably have heard about the state of meditation that's the deepest you can get to and that's when you can get a glimpse of what pure consciousness is like which is from the description that i have heard it's there's nothing happening really but it feels peaceful it's like having the mind completely calm where there's no movements there's nothing you can't really sense any of the uh, the sensory perceptions you can't really smell taste or anything like that so that's fascinating to me but it seems like something that's almost like an out-of-body experience and i don't search for that i would never search for that experience of so-called enlightenment that doesn't interest me for some reason but what you just spoke of about presence like observing experience like what's happening here now like today i woke up and i remember just looking at myself in the mirror and huh what is it not even who is it but what is it as if it was just an appearance something that's just happened but it's not really me because that's not who i am yeah i love what you just said about you know observing experience it really feels like a dream it feels very present to me of course very intimate like huh Something tells me this is not who I am, and and it's just fun to look at it, actually. That, to me, it's more interesting than going for higher states of consciousness through meditation. Yeah. It's like the dream is one of those snow globes, and you're on the outside of it, and you see this whole world that's kind of blurring and, and happening in there, and you are the presence and the awareness that provides the space for that snow globe to exist. And that's, I think, is... It's not just the experience of pure observation, but it's probably a divine-like experience to hold space for something to exist as it is, 
Mm. And, and pure observation and curiosity and fascination and following all the, the movement within that little bubble. Yeah, that also resonates true. So that would be the description of love because love is all inclusive. So it's everything that mm -hmm. there is, the good, the bad, right. I love that. There's a line in... I don't watch a lot of movies because they're just not as fulfilling as real life happening. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh, there's one scene in Blade Runner, the follow-up one recently, and the bad guy talks about how mathematical precision could be equated with love. <sighs> and those moments of transcendence that I've experienced where I've seen the grid, the canvas uh, upon which all of life is being projected, similar to a dream, they seemed very mathematical, very programmed and scientific. And from within this grid, this mesh pattern of life exploding, the sense that this is love came forth for me. And so it's funny how the more we observe things, the more they do seem like programs. <laughs> so true. It is fun, isn't it, Chris? Yeah. I know we've had many conversations about these things, and I can't get enough. To me, this is the best game in town. Some people keep sending me messages, leaving uh, these very long recordings about, oh, how my day was, and oh, my hair was not so good today when I woke up. And that's things that I'm not interested in having conversations about. So how do I talk to them about that? So I try to be truthful and kind at the same time. And then I always bring the conversation into something deeper. So how's your heart today? How are you feeling today? You know, and I always ask those questions and they find me to be very strange. And that's, um, would you say that this is when we getting out of that old program? For some reason, some are caught in this old program, which is pretty much fear-based and it has to do with sensory perceptions. So they've very much into this relative reality. And for some of us not, we tend to see life differently, ourselves differently, and we want to explore more. We want to go deeper. We, we find fun doing this stuff. Have you found an explanation for that, Chris? Do you believe in reincarnation? Like, I, I wonder, where did this come from? This curiosity, this desire for spiritual knowledge. Talk to me for a moment about that. Yeah, no, I love that. I was about to launch into how my regression work has really helped me with, with that question. So ultimately, in order to be in our bodies, our frequency has to slow down. And that is ultimately unconsciousness. We couldn't be here in this dimension the way we are if we were super high vibrating, pure source energy beings, because then we'd just be vapor. Right. And we just couldn't be in our bodies. They, it couldn't contain us. And But that's the state we came from yeah. in order to have this human experience. And, you know, without going way, 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 way out, why is even that designed the way it is? Yeah. Uh, that's a whole other topic. <laughs> yeah. But in terms of our time here, this is earth school. And we're meant to become infatuated by the things because it is so amazing. And it's just to show up in our bodies, it's amazing. A lot of traditions make it seem like the physical and the material world is to be rejected. But I see it more as it's attracting us for a reason. Because we realize it's not the end all. Yeah. Then we search deeper and we find back to ourselves, to our spirit selves, and our wholeness within and, and the love of creation that we've sprung forth from, 
But now we have the deepening, the experience, the journey of having gone through this infatuation of the external and then to come back to the internal with an appreciation, with gratitude, with perspective, with just experiences that weren't there before. So we're finding back to our spirit self that in essence is already whole, but there's something that's been added to that. Mm. Ah. Yeah, that resonates true to me. Of course, I have heard um, that idea before. So my question was always, do we lose all the knowledge that we have acquired after we drop the body, dissolve the body? Because I have heard of spiritual teachers and certain spiritual traditions that they were able to see directly what the absolute is and they recognized that in themselves. So that was them. Everything was them, pretty much. And then they chose in a way to keep coming back here, but in a different form. And they would appear from time to time. There was like a choice for them. Let's say Buddha and Jesus. They they can come here at any time and appear to anybody and deliver their messages and all. They have that freedom. It's almost like they found freedom finally, but while they were in their physical bodies. Is that what we are looking for? That's what sometimes I wonder, because I have no idea what I'm looking for when it comes to what we call transcendence and freedom. The quest is really to be at peace with whatever is happening here. So how do you see this dance? Well, so that, that peace comes from recognizing the illusion. All of this, it's a version of something, and it could be anything, but we're experiencing this right now. Yeah. Now... The being at peace with it is recognizing it as an illusion. So the only time we're not at peace is we, if we think it's real. For some reason, we have attachment to something. We think it's the truth. So letting go of all of that, releasing beliefs, our truth structure, as I call it, that brings us peace is to recognize that nothing ultimately is real. We don't have to call it an illusion because maybe that has a hint of negativity or disappointment and and maybe there's a slight sense of resistance in there as well so maybe a a better way to reframe is to (laughs) to be with it to allow it to be to see it as it is and so from that then you get into this peaceful state where you're not hung up on anything any longer things are happening and you're seeing them as they are and you're moving through life and then pleasant things happen unpleasant things happen but you're kind of a bigger presence around that you're the observer of the snow globe of your experience and so then nothing can really affect you anymore and you're just bigger than any situation that comes along and i think then from there we start to identify less and less with the material world less and less with our senses and less and less with being in our bodies and so you can find peace while you're in this incarnation But when that attraction to the material world falls away, dissipates, then we're just not going to find ourselves in this dimension any longer. We're going to be somewhere else. And maybe there are parts of us that are attracted to that somewhere else in a way. And we're having to work through a whole other level of infatuation with some state of being or some sense of incompleteness. And and then after that, there could be another world, another dimension. So we're being asked to just grow and grow and grow and grow and become bigger and fuller and wholer beyond our wildest imagination. This lifetime is a tiny little drop in the ocean of what is ultimately that love for creation that you've talked about. There's just so much 
love for creating things and making things fuller and mm-hmm. more complete and more perfect and not perfect from kind of some kind of mental place, but mm-hmm. in its beingness in its existence. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a meditation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, but it's not nihilism, right, Chris? There's a difference. It's no thing, but it's a no thing that's full, which is, sounds like a contradiction, but it to me is not. But it's, when we come to the point of no attraction, no aversion, no resistance, that's a tough one. And that's when you say we have, we have more work to do because we keep resisting some of the things, which I, I can't help resist ignorance when I see it. And when it's perceived by the mind, then there's this automatic response to unkindness, war, uh, violence. That's automatically the mind will reject. So can you describe the state of getting there where you're at peace to the point of no more attraction to anything, no more aversion? And, and without being a nihilist, it's not like you lost yourself in the void. But I can't really imagine a point where, you know, a human being can get the state where you're just basically ignoring your own senses. I talk to so many people and I read so much about these things that sometimes for me, it gets a little confusing. Um, I'd love to, to hear a little bit more about yeah. that. Yeah. So something happens when we're truly seeing things as they are with no judgment whatsoever, with no wanting it to be different. The resistance keeps us at a certain distance to the object or the situation or the person. And if we can let go of a layer of resistance, it actually brings us closer to them and closer and closer and closer mm-hmm. to the point when we're in complete non-resistance is that they cease to exist. Um, and that is not a nothing state. Uh, it's just uh, that our resistance to them, our judgment of them is what defined our relationship to them and our separateness to them. I'm over here and that person, place or thing is over there. And so we created a relationship dynamic that was based on separateness, on objectification. And as we release that resistance, it just dissolves the distance between you and the other. There's no longer the other. You just get closer and closer and become one with them. And in this process of becoming closer and closer and less separate from them, We not only lose our resistance to them, our resistance being what keeps them in place as a separate entity, but we also lose our definition of self. We start to dissolve just as much because we were using the other, the otherness as a form of self-identification of holding ourselves in some particular light. And so all of this starts to dissolve as we drop our resistance and and it just kind of dissolves into nothingness, into everythingness. The nothingness becomes everythingness and... Right, right. That's it. Yeah. You see that, it's very clear to me. It's very beautiful, clear. Yeah, that's where we want to be. I guess what the mind keeps asking the questions of injustice, even the work I do, I can create a sense of inner peace from myself. But then when it comes to see other people suffering and injustice, how do we relate to that without resisting, but at the same time without ignoring? Because I know the closer you get, you only see it's just God. There's nothing else anyway. (laughs) But in the relative reality, how do we relate to injustice and how can we expand that sense of peace to others 
mm. without rejecting any of the things that they are doing, but, you know, people who are promoting violence and, and mm. division and all that. Well, I think there's two parts to that. The, the one is that there's still a form of resistance to what you call injustice. There's still wanting it to be different. Mm, yeah. that, that aspect of wanting it to be different is what mm. keeps us separate and closer to matter. Now, it doesn't mean that when we get to a point of accepting things as they are, that we don't take action. Right. It's, it's just clearer action. We'll just call it right action. So it's no longer motivated by this resistance, this judgment as wanting it to be different. But as long as we're in human form, most of us are operating like that. If we weren't operating like that, we wouldn't be here. We'd be <laughs> spirit guides or something. Yeah. Um, the acceptance of things as they are also entails recognizing that things are happening for a reason. There's unconsciousness expressing itself a certain way. And the end result of that is always to become more aware of oneself, one's actions. So through our unconscious experience, consciousness gets to experience itself in ways that on its own, it couldn't. In other words, we complete the all-knowingness of consciousness. We complete God. Eckhart always says it's consciousness becoming aware of itself. Mm. That's what this whole life is about. Yeah. If we're zooming way out here. But back down to our human form, there's a potential for there to be heaven on earth. Because mm. in pure presence, there's no room for hatred or anger mm. or ill will. There's no room for anxiety or fear or projections there's just goodness in there and love if you want to call it that um but that's not kind of the purpose of this whole experiment here you know then what <laughs> if it happens one day that's great but it feels like that would be the ex end of this experiment we're taking this to the edges <laughs> so but yeah. i love that yeah yeah me too yeah it it resonates i love the way you keep saying that it's resistance you know seeing something that we don't want to see so trying to make things different that's what ignorance really is so ignorance in a sense it's just ignoring what is real we're ignoring something that's present that's here it's always here and it's powerful beyond our thinking but um yeah we tend to try to change the world and change people and change ourselves and change everything um yeah how can we find peace by doing that so that's a beautiful teaching so a conversation like this it could just dispel all that illusion that's definitely the path that i'm on yeah that's amazing i'm curious what led you to embrace this path of discovery and inner knowing usually there's an awakening moment uh, traumatic or very difficult situation. Yeah, that's true. And that's a question that I often ask is suffering the only path to true spiritual awakening. Some people believe that's not that some of us can awaken that light within ourselves without suffering. But for most of us, it is suffering. My case was, of course. So I was born in Brazil. I, I wrote a whole book about that. But I, I actually perceived the whole environment as very painful in many ways because I couldn't understand my parents and the way they acted from a place that I could not even process any of it. 
as a child, uh, physical violence, um, emotional violence. So I couldn't really understand any of it. So the only thing I could do was just get try to get closer to them and in a way nurture them. Now I think about it because I was the one that was supposed to be suffering, supposed to be down, but I was the one who was trying to nurture them and make them feel better so they wouldn't be as violent as they were. I could perceive the suffering in them. Like they must be suffering. They must be going through a lot to do this. So I remember taking care of everybody. Um, and then I had a lot of mystical experiences at a very young age. Uh, the first one that I can remember, the most powerful one, was looking at myself in the mirror and saying, ah, so you're here again in the female body. I was amazed to hear that from my own voice. Like I knew for sure that I had been in the human body before. And then it went on with all the suffering. I would go to the my backyard and look at the stars in the moon and the nature. So that was my point of reference when it came to whatever God was or, or looking for help, that would be nature. And then I, I remember just looking at the sky and the, the stars and they became my friends. <laughs> and then uh, the sense of peace and relief would just set in. It was incredible to experience that without understanding even why that was the case. And that was just trying to cope with suffering to the point of realizing that I couldn't stay there any longer. I had to leave that environment. And then a friend came to town and then I asked her, can you take me with you because I can't stay here? And then I went to live with her. So from that on, I was faced again with so much confusion, but basically trying to change more myself in the sense of how more loving can I be so I can change the situation. I was not really trying to change them, but I wanted to change myself to become even more tolerant to pain so I could help them somehow, so they could change somehow. I would kind of keep meeting the, the people who would abuse me like my parents did, and even my relationships with men. That went on until I was 37 years old. I kept coping to the point of getting deeply depressed. I couldn't move on any longer. I had suicidal thinking, and that's when something else came from the inner voice and said, ah, you are already fit for joy. <laughs> and that's where the, the website Fit for Joy came from. So, and then I understood the message. Okay, so I was into fitness at that time and all that. Oh, so I can be happy and perfectly at peace right here, right now. I don't have to look for anything else. As you said, resist anything, try to fix the world, all people become this or that. That's it. I'm already it. And that was a glimpse of that understanding, that knowledge that came to me from just from that experience. Yeah. Wow. Just kind of thinking about now, it's kind of interesting to go back. I usually don't talk about these things, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that's, that's when everything changed. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. And it's so true. Somebody gave me a copy of Power of Now a long, long time ago. And I opened it and I read a page and a half and put it back down. I didn't know what to do with it. It sounded all yeah. woo-woo. And then 10 years later, uh, picked it up again and everything made perfect sense. So what happened in the meantime, it was just life happened. And it's all those little experiences, all of which are a reflection of who we are at that time. So there's never a need to regret anything, to feel guilt about anything, or why did that happen to me? Well, so we manifested each and every one of those situations in the way we processed information at the time. So we were just experiencing ourselves. 
Yeah, right. And that's true. When I see the other people suffering, going through what they are going through, now for me, it's much easier to understand. Like, okay, they're still going the path of finding out who they are. I'm a student of Advaita Vedanta. So he said something like, when I close my eyes, I am at peace. When I open my eyes, how can I help? Yeah, that's beautiful. And I think that's what happens naturally when judgment, when resistance, when projections and expectations and guilt and the past and the future, when all of that is still part of our internal makeup, we're just much more self-involved in our own little world and trying to sort it all out. And then as we release those things, we become less self-absorbed and we become more observant. We now are in a position to really see what other people's needs are. So we just naturally then become of service. It's actually a beautiful design to go from this self-absorbed individual with problems to then breaking those family patterns and generational patterns and uh, becoming a healer for the world. Yes, exactly. Yes. And I know you asked me that question. So I I probably have asked you that question too, about how did you come to be who you are today? How did you come to to this, Chris? Mm. Early on, I had a lot of resistance build up from a sense of not belonging. I moved around a lot. and, And so a child wants nothing more than to belong and to feel contained. And so I had to come to terms with feeling like there was no place for me in this world. And it took me into my 30s. And when we release, when we make peace with certain aspects of ourselves, something else starts to open up. And and that is consciousness, ultimately, that wants to come through us and express itself through us. And that light just starts to shine. And I think that we all just then become teachers. It's light spreading itself through us. Yeah. So then we find ourselves in that role that it calls us. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. You probably heard about the, the term spiritual mind. That's when the spiritual mind now is activated and then it's um, doing its work. It's speaking mm-hmm. for us, giving us ideas, inspirations. And yes, yeah. And I noticed with the, that voice, what I hear is it's all about helping one another it goes back to kindness compassion is able to see the big picture and send like small glimpses of how to, to put that puzzle together so sometimes very small but i can sense that the power of that yeah wow it's here it's being the yeah. message has been it's being communicated yeah it's powerful isn't it yeah humbling at the same time because the sense of self disappears and you're just doing things now because it could help somebody else. Even the thought of it feels good. <laughs> yeah, it does feel like, you know, you reach that place where how do we make the most out of our time? Yes. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Mm. yeah, how much fun, meaningful fun we can have here. Uh, thank you so much, Chris, for inviting me for this conversation. <laughs> oh, thank you. This is Nothing incredible. Nothing else. It's more interesting than that. Nothing. Yes. So thank you for beautiful. the... Um, for the opportunity. Mm. Thank you so much for coming. And to the listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. As always, be sure to check out my website, Sirach.com. You can find me on social media at Chris Sirach. Until next time, be happy, be free, be you.